Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Good evening and welcome to Fishhawk Live and the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this evening here on a Thursday night. And we're joined by Captain Jared Baker from JB's Custom Charters on Michigan's West Coast. Jared, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, talk about fishing. Jared, before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and JB's Custom Charters. Uh, yeah, again, my name's Jared. Uh, I run JB's Custom Charters. Um, you know, I, I'm relatively new to the uh, charter business game. Uh, been doing it for a few years now, but I've been, uh, you know, born and raised in Michigan. I've been fishing the Great Lakes my whole life. Um, you know, I grew up fishing Lower Lake Huron with, you know, my dad. That's where I really, uh, you know, my passion for salmon fishing grew. Uh, luckily, I grew up with a dad that prioritized fishing over his real responsibilities. So uh, every weekend, almost every day was spent out there chasing salmon. And, uh, you know, once, you know, about 15, 20 years ago, the, uh, the salmon fish on uh, Lower Lake Huron kind of died off a little bit. So we started making trips over to Lake Michigan. And, uh, you know, once I saw the amount of fish and the size of fish that that lake has to offer that's that's become my my home away from home for fishing so you know now i currently operate a charter service that uh fishes from may to the end of august for salmon um we start in st joe's in early may first couple weeks uh, as the fish start to migrate north we go to pentwater fish from there from mid-may to about the first week of june and then we finish up our uh finish up our season in manistee until usually until about the end of August or until, you know, the fish start heading up the rivers. But, you know, salmon fishing is something that's, it's more of a passion to me. It's its more than a passion to me. It's more of an addiction. Uh, you know, I actually live with my first mate and there's not a day that goes by where we're not talking about salmon fishing, rigging up some, you know, some new lures or buying new lures. So, you know, I'm just happy to, uh, to be able to share that experience with other people and happy to be here now to talk about it. So you're living with your first mate. I think MTV should make a real world manistee or something about you guys. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be a heck of a reality show, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, a lot of messes being cleaned up by my girlfriend, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you you fish out of a trailerable boat, you're moving around a lot. Tell us about the boat that you're fishing and how you use it. Uh well, I fish out of a Skeeter WX2060. Um, you know, I chose that boat in particular, um, you know, it's a multi-species boat, so the opportunities with it are endless, but most importantly, um, for trolling, I feel like the Skeeter WX series has the most room in the back end of it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not as big as the other boats you'll see on Lake Michigan, you know, you see the Tierras, but as far as fishing room, I think it's right there with it. I mean, they, we could run 14 rods off it easily there. There was actually a point where I had a shoot rigger down down the middle of my boat, and we had run 15 rods, but that uh, downrigger is sitting at the bottom of Lake Michigan somewhere near Milwaukee. So so now we keep it to 14 rods, but, I mean, I couldn't ask for more out of a, a multi-species fishing boat, that's for sure. Yeah, that uh, Milwaukee structure, I think, has claimed uh, more than a few, <laughs> few downriggers. Yeah, yeah. Could at least take the cannonball, not the whole downrigger, but, hey, you know, that's what I get for dragging bottom. All right, Jared, you start in St. Joe's most of the time of your season. Make your way north throughout the Salmon Seas season. Right. Why do you do that instead of calling kind of one port your home? Um, well, you know, the nothing's predictable with salmon fishing, but, you know, the, the salmon 
pretty much follow the same migration path. They start at the lower end of Lake Michigan and move north as the water warms up. And uh, my ADD does not allow me to fish at other ports while the salmon aren't there. So instead of, you know, fishing through the tough times, I just chase the fish as they move north. Um, you know, typically around uh, May, it's a pretty good bet that they'll, they'll be at St. Joe. Um, and then as the, the water warms up, you know, they, they start moving north. And our fishery has been so good the last couple of years that, you know, once it gets to middle of May to, to early June, you could catch fish along the whole coastline. But but I find a, I find that pent water is pretty uh, pretty familiar for me, and I'm and I have a lot of success there. What is it like learning all these new areas? I mean, a lot of guys will stay in one spot. They'll they'll learn that area well. They'll know what the fish do in that area. But you're moving along all the time. You're following this migration, which obviously, if you're going where there's fish, it's going to be easier, and and probably you don't have to figure out as much. But what are some of the challenges that come with? following that migration and going out of new ports all the time? Sure. I mean, uh, I mean, the challenges that are presented are, are different um, based on the port. Um, you know, the, the southern end of Lake Michigan does not have much structure as far as depth changes or, you know, points or anything like that. So it's 100% just uh, water temperature and water color base. So, you know, the challenges is, is in the early season is just finding that warm water. Um, and that comes down to, you know, checking, you know, your resources online before you go out there, uh, making sure that you, your electronics are tuned in as far as your fish hawk and your and your depth finder. And, uh, you know, there's been times that we fish in 50 feet of water right at the, you know, the the warm water coming out of the rivers. And then there's been times where we have like this year, there was, you know, some northeast winds all season and we were fishing in 200 feet of water, had to run 15 miles offshore. So. You know the the main the main challenge of fishing the lower end of uh, Lake Michigan is is there is no structure as far as uh, you know drop offs or points. You you really just have to key in on the water temperature changes. Um, once you move up north, uh, you know there is a little bit more structure. Uh, it's I like fishing around the point at uh, Pentwater. Um, you know I feel like that you know depending on the direction of the wind, uh, if you get a hard north wind blowing in some cold water, that point will protect it. And you'll get some pockets of warm water on the south end of it. So, you know, everybody knows that salmon are, are water temperature driven. So it's kind of the same everywhere you go. Uh, it's just finding that warm water. Jared, we're going to get starting to get some questions in from some of our viewers. And I think this is a really good one. It's from Carly McNeil on Facebook. And she or I think it's a she. Maybe it's a maybe it's a man. I can't tell. There's a man and a woman pictured in the in the photo. But uh, yeah. JB's custom charters. How custom can it be made? What things do you change up to make it fit different customers? I mean, that's that's the one thing I think sets my my service apart from everybody else. Um, you know, I've had people with you know different requests. I've had people call me and just say, you know, I, I have a boat similar size to yours, but. You know, I've been having trouble catching fish. Like, can you just show me how you set your boat up? So, you know, I every time I book a charter, I try to get an idea of what the what the customer is looking for. So, you know, I've went out before and spent the, the whole first hour of the day just just going through and setting up rods. And um, if a customer feels comfortable enough, I let them set the rods for me. You know, so um, the main thing that I want to focus on is making sure the customers get everything that they're looking for out of the the charter. Um, I can't speak for other captains. You know, I've been on trips with some other captains, but, you know, it's, it's not about just catching fish. It's about whatever the customer wants. If you hire me to take you out for the day, I want to make sure that 
you get whatever you're looking for. So if it's if you just want to catch fish, that's what we're focused on. If it's learning how to salmon fish and set rods, we're focusing on setting rods. So, and I mean the the customization, you know, there's you just call me and ask. I'll let you know if it's reasonable. But pretty much, you know, nothing's off limits. We're talking <laughs> mostly salmon, salmon uh, on Lake Michigan tonight. But uh, we are we're also uh, we're talking got into this custom charter thing. And you do fish different waters. I know you do some trips out on uh, the Detroit River, and today you're out on Lake St. Clair. So you can tell us a little bit about some of the other pieces of water that you're typically doing business on, and what you're targeting out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I fish all year round from, you know, ice out. So the ice comes in, um, you know, I start my season actually in Lake Erie, uh, out of Sterling state park and trolling for walleye before they go into the Detroit river. Uh, and then around April, um, I start jigging for them in the Detroit river. Uh, and you know, that usually takes me right up to May until I head over to do salmon fishing. But, uh, there is a, a short time in, in June around now, where typically the salmon fishing slows down in Michigan, although this year the, the fishery's been on fire. So uh, kind of missing the salmon fishing now, but, but you know, I do spend some time uh, uh, trolling for walleye and muskie on Lake St. Clair. Um, and then once uh, salmon fishing's done on, on Lake Michigan, I come back and uh, from September until the, till the lake freezes, I'm chasing muskie and walleye on Lake St. Clair. Uh, and again, I mean, if, if anybody is interested in that, uh, just give me a call. I typically, I just advertise trolling trips. And, uh, I mean, if you want to go cast for them, we could cast for them, jig for them. You know, I've been fishing these fisheries my whole life. So again, if you, anything you guys want to do, just give me a call. What's that like, uh, trolling for muskies? How does that differ from when you're doing your work out in Lake Michigan for salmon? What's, what are those <laughs> setups? I mean, how, how different are they? And tell us a little bit about what you're doing to go after those muskies. Uh, um, I mean, a big difference is that, uh, re, uh, setting out a 400 copper for salmon, uh, and probably the longest line you'll set out for muskie is maybe 40 feet back. So it's a totally different program. Um, I mean, muskie, muskie trolling is, uh, it can be a headache in the summer because you also have to worry about weeds. Um, I mean, it's a nonstop, nonstop grind, uh, making sure that your lures are uh, clear of weeds, but um, it's a totally different program. It's mainly based off of speed, um, but it's a lot of fun once you hook into one. Those those fish are they're the apex predator, that's for sure. Just seeing one of those things and how gnarly their teeth are, it's it's definitely something everybody should do, that's for sure. Yeah, we actually do a fair bit of trolling for muskies uh, not too far from my house out here on the St. Croix River uh, between okay. Wisconsin and Minnesota. It's a great piece of water for uh, for muskie trolling. Uh, another question here coming from Facebook. This one's from Al Walkowski. He says, Pentwater's your go-to spot, but where would you consider your honey hole for salmon? I guess those are maybe the two different, <laughs> two same things, but uh, what yeah. <laughs> uh, is there another spot that you really like other than Pentwater? Let's go with that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I like Pentwater and Manistee. Um, uh, Manistee, obviously, everybody knows about the ledge out there. You know, it has some great structure on that drop-off. But, you know, the two things that both of those ports have in common are the points, you know, Big Point, Little Point, Sable. Uh, those are the main reasons that I pick those those ports. Um, I feel like those are great, great spots to hold fish. Uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, wind directions in either way depending on the time of year but especially early in the season if you get a north wind blowing in that cold water the south end of those points are gonna you know they're gonna be uh, protected and hold that warm water and some of my best days have been fishing around those points where you know i've had four or five fish on a time can't even you know can't even handle how many fish we've had so um 
I just had great luck there. Uh, I mean, they're kind of a tough spot to fish if you're not familiar with it because the depth changes are drastic. And honestly, the current there is sometimes it's ridiculous. I mean, if you don't have a fish hawk with the current whipping around those points, sometimes you, you're going to be lost. But if you could really dial in fish in those points, those are those are some great untapped resources by a lot of fishermen. All right, here's another one. This one's going back to our walleye talk. Uh, Eric Allen Lenz wants to know what's your favorite way to fish for walleye. Um, that, that's a t loaded question. I my favorite way is to just pull crawling harnesses. Um, that's I mean that's kind of like a nostalgia thing. That's what I grew up doing with my dad. And you know, luckily Lake St. Clair is such a great fishery. Uh, we go out there and pull crawler harnesses for you know five hour trips, and we'll catch musky you know, 20 inch smallmouth, you'll catch walleye, you know, four or five pound walleye, uh, perch, everything. So, you know, pulling crawler harnesses definitely uh, brings out the kid in me, that's for sure. But if I, if it's a, uh, you know, money's on the line tournament time, I, I guess I like pulling cranks to catch the big ones, but, but my heart definitely lies with uh, pulling crawler harnesses. All right. We're starting to get some rookie questions now. This one from some guy <laughs> named Bob Hines. He wants to know uh, with that Skeeter 2060, what's the best method to get a pedestal seat unstuck at 4.30 a.m.? <laughs> well, luckily I have a good friend named Bob and his mate, Quinn. Quinn is probably the strongest man I know. He's the only guy that I know that's stronger than my dad. This guy almost ripped the floor out of my boat trying to get this seat unstuck, man. I, I, this guy is like Arnold Schwarzenegger reincarnated. That's the answer. Call Quinn. <laughs> All right. He also wants to know uh, why his UV muscle head meat rig doesn't fire like yours does. Because he doesn't have the confidence in it. Fishing's all about confidence, man. If you don't believe in the bait, it's not going to go for you. <laughs> all right, Bob. I hope that you got your questions answered. Maybe one day Bob <laughs> will catch a salmon too. Maybe. We could only pray, man. <laughs> all right. Here's one, another one from Facebook. Uh, what's a bucket, lit bucket list fish that you haven't caught yet? Oh man, that's tough. Uh, you know, I, it's it's uh, going away from the Great Lakes, but uh, I've I've always had a, a dream to catch a tarpon. I fish. I've done a decent amount of saltwater fishing, but uh, but I've yet to hook into a tarpon. I've you know obviously seen videos and pictures, and just the acrobatics of them is is uh, insane. Um, you know, I guess if you want to go uh, more local. Uh, my goal this year, I think we definitely think we're going to see one come out of Lake Michigan, but I want to catch that 40 pound salmon uh, swimming in Lake Michigan this year. All right. Here's one that kind of same re uh, related. It's uh, David Lafayette wants to know what's your most satisfying catch of all time? Most satisfying catch of all time. That is tough. Um, geez. I can't even, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start, but I mean, there's, there's been plenty of times. I mean, my, my mate, Josh, Josh Orjahowski and I fished some tournaments before. And we've, uh, I remember a couple years ago, we had a, a last second walleye. We had no fish in the box and uh, I caught a six pounder to, to win the tournament within the last 30 minutes. So, you know, anytime that you could pull out a buzzer beater, whether it's a, uh, whether it's a trip that you're running or a tournament, when you get that last second fish, it's always a good feeling. Randy Beavis joins us just about every week. He's on here again tonight, and he wants to know when you're trolling for kings, uh, what speed do you trust, your GPS speed from the fish finder or your probe speed of the ball? Um, I trust them both. I mean, it's important to keep your eye on both um, just so you know what the current's at. 
Um, I mean, I think they're both true. You, you could trust them both. I mean, uh, I mean, I run a, a Lawrence and obviously Fishhawks. I mean, they, these are top name brands because because their products work. Um, I mean, when it comes to what my lures are doing, um, I, I'm always looking at my Fishhawk. Uh, you know, that's that's why, it's, you know, the, the saying whoever came up with the saying that, you know, trolling without a Fishhawk is just boating should get a raise because, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, stress that enough that especially in Lake Michigan or any of the Great Lakes, they're all just, you know, there's currents running through them any time of the year. So, you know, it's, I don't look at my, my uh, graph speed as much, but it's important to keep on it just to know what the current's like down there. But you always got to have your fish hawk down there just to know the, the action on your lures. All right. One from Ron Siever, Albert Siever. And uh, he has, uh, how has the season, uh, how has the season differed from last year, Lake Trout, and Kings, uh, you talked about earlier about this year kind of being a banner year. So I'm going to just play off of Ron's question and ask, why do you think that this year has been better than what, what it's been in the past? Because we're hearing that from a lot of different captains right now. Yeah. Uh, things are good and, and, and fishing has been really good. What do you think it is about this year that's made it good? Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I think the DNR does a great job handling our resources. Um, you know, and, you know, obviously all of our fishermen, you know, buying licenses and helping uh, the DNR, you know, support um, the efforts that they have put into Lake Michigan. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of naturally reproducing fish come out, especially some big ones. And, you know, even stockfish have been thriving. So, you know, I, I, I just go out there and catch the fish. I, you know, the, you, you might have to ask the DNR on why this is a, it's been such a great year. Um, but I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, the numbers that I've been seeing have been outrageous. And, you know, I remember two or three years ago, there was, a I think a 37 pounder caught out of Lunnington in one of the fall tournaments and everybody's mind was what my mind was going. I didn't think it was possible, but this year in the spring, there's been 36, 37, 38 pounders. So, you know, I think it's at a perfect balance where the numbers are still good. And then there's, you know, you know, the, they're not overpopulated. So there's plenty of bait to go around. So I think there's still fishable numbers if you could find them, and the size of them is just ridiculous. All right, we're still going through some uh, viewer questions. Eric Allen Lenz, once again, wants to know. He says he has a fishhawk TD. He uses to probe temperatures on Lake Huron. He wants to know if you use your fishhawk while fishing walleye, especially on St. Clair, for understanding the currents there. That, that's funny. Eric's going to make me uh, give away one of my, my best secrets, but uh, I do. I, I mean, I honestly, the probes on my, obviously mounted to, or, you know, the uh, monitors mounted to my boat and I have my probe on me all the time. So um, there's currents going through Lake St. Clair, especially fishing uh, near the shipping channel and speed is everything when you're fishing in the action on your lures. So um, I don't keep them down all day when I'm fishing Lake St. Clair uh, just because of the amount of weeds in that lake. But I do drop them just on a uh, just down when I first start, just to see what the currents like going each way, because depending on the wind or you know the water levels, the the current, I, I mean that could change it by a whole mile an hour. So so I use it pretty much everywhere I go. I mean any great lake that I'm fishing on, I bring my fish hawk with me. All right, some guy named Josh wants to know what do you do when it gets late in the morning and the fishing seems to shut down? How do you adjust to catch more fish? I don't know if you know this guy, but. Uh... <laughs> He's, he's been watching since we started. <laughs> yeah, I might know him a little bit, but uh, but I mean that it's that's a loaded question. You you definitely have to shake things up. The bite's always different, you know, midday. 
Uh, mornings are typically pretty easy. Uh, everybody knows that you got to get out there first thing for the morning bite. But um, I mean, over the last few years, just uh, the the SWR rig on my lowest downrigger, and just running a, a 10 inch Dreamweaver paddle with a meat rig. I mean, it's it's lights out. I don't think that that combo ever leaves my lowest downrigger. Um, you know, I mean, everybody has a different different theory on it. You could ask 10 fishermen, they'll give you 10 different answers. But uh, but for me, it's a meat rig on my lowest rigger with the, with the SWR rig. All right, let's get a little, let's get back to kind of this. I really want to get into the, the your boat and that okay. uh, you're using a trailer boat. boat. Uh, that mm -hmm. obviously gives you the advantage of being able to move around, go port to port. What are some of the other advantages that you find with having a smaller trailerable boat? Uh, I mean, it, obviously, you could get in the tighter spaces. Um, like you said, going port to port, there was, you know, times this year where, you know, I keep in touch with Bob and, you know, I, he fishes ports near me, near me. And I, if he says the fishing's better down there, I'll ask my clients, see if they want to make the trip down there. We'll go down there and catch fish. Um I don't think there's the only real disadvantage is the uh, I mean, obviously, rougher weather. Um, you're going to be, you know, a little bit more comfortable in a bigger boat. But uh, I mean, we could run just as many rods as, as the bigger boats. And, uh, you know, I think it, it gives a little bit more intimate experience experience for the uh, for the customers. They're right there in the action, you know, reeling in rods and catching fish when the fish hits the deck. Everybody gets to see it. So um, for me, I, I mean, I don't think I'll ever uh, switch to a bigger boat. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you next is what, what do you feel like you're losing out on by, by having a smaller boat that you, that you would get if you had something larger? Yeah. I mean, like the one thing, main thing I touched on is just, you know, there's some days where, uh, you know, there's never been too many times where I felt unsafe in my boat, but I mean, there's some times where you do take a little bit of a beating compared to if you're in a 30 foot tier, obviously, but you know, the fishing space is right there. Uh, just right in the, I mean, we could run just as many rods. Um, I mean, obviously a cabin is something that you're missing, but, uh, you know, our front decks on these boats are just as big as, as a cabin. So, you know, it's, you're really not missing much. The, the flexibility that you have with the waters that you could fish and, you know, just moving port to port is, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine being stuck at one port. Uh, you mentioned getting a bunch of lines out despite the smaller boat. Tell us a little bit about how you're getting, you said you're fishing 14 lines. What are you doing to get those 14 lines out? How are you getting your spread out? Uh, well, yeah, we typically run just our two downriggers. Um, we're going to run four dipsies at all times. Um, and then, you know, honestly, you could fit as many boards out there as you want with the, uh, you know, the, the um, advancements in technology with the weighted lines and, uh, you know, the inline planer boards, the opportunities are endless. But, you know, typically we start with our downriggers. We'll have our, uh, depending on the time of year, it'd either be a braid dipsy diver or a wire dipsy diver. And then I'm a big fan of the slide divers that um, have come out because they've, they've uh, come out with attachments as far as, you know, bigger rings and bigger weights. So they have all the capabilities as normal dipsy divers, but you could put longer leads. So. Um, we always have the our high divers as slide divers, and then, uh, you know, I like to mix it up. So I always run lead core, copper, and steel, a mixture of everything. If one's going, I'll you know, I'll wholesale on something, but um, typically you'll find me running a little bit of everything. That's really interesting. A lot of the guys we talk to, they're either lead core guys or they're copper guys, or really. Um, so you're you're kind of mixing it up, and and what do you kind of find typically is is the ticket while you're out there? 
Um, you know, that's why, that's why I mix it up. Uh, every day is different. Um, you know, salmon are probably the hardest fish to figure out. I mean, day to day, the, the bite's different. So I'm always mixing up my spread. Uh, there's never a time that I, you know, I'm wholesaling on all lead core, or all copper. Um, you know, if, if lead core is going a little bit better, I'll put them all, you know, most of my outsides lead core, but I'll still keep a couple of coppers out there because you'll never know when the bite switches up. Um, you know, I have noticed that, you know, fish seem to key on, you know, lead core or, or copper, you know, it might have a different action in the water. Um, so I, I understand why people like one versus the other, but I, I, I mean, even when it comes to lure, I never really like wholesaling anything. I like to keep a, a good mix out there. All right. Uh, your mate's asking again, he wants to know, it sounds like maybe you've got a few rod holders on the boat. Wants to know how many rod holders do you have on your boat? Oh, rod holders. Uh, I typically never use them all. Um, so I have rod trees, obviously, with six. Uh, I mean, it's going to total out to 18, I think. 18. I usually keep everything available in case we got to move rods to one side. You know, if we get a fish on, I'll, I'll uh, you know, pull some lines and move them to the other side of the boat. But I definitely always make sure there's more rod holders than needed. You know, either we're putting a net in there or, or rods that aren't being used. So 18, I think, is the final count. All right, Ron's back with another question. He wants to know uh, what your typical rod setup is to start the day and how it changes after the morning bite. Uh, do you go more stealth? Do you, more, do you run glow in the midday? He's got a couple questions there. Um, but uh, how, how do you kind of adjust things throughout the day, I guess, is the, the main uh, Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, obviously, it's going to change day to day. But, uh, but, you know, the typical rule of thumb that I follow is, uh, you know, early morning, uh, you know, rods are, or lines are going to be a little bit higher. Um, I usually keep my coppers, you know, sewed away for the first morning bite. It's going to be heavy lead core spread. Um, stuff's going to be a little bit higher in the water column. And I find that spoons work a little bit better. Um, you know, I've had more luck at least with spoons, glow spoons early morning. Um, but then once, you know, the sun comes up, uh, I like to switch over more to paddles and meat rigs more, um, you know, floppers and flies and meat rigs. And then just, you know, you got to keep an eye on your graph. Uh, a lot of times I'll see the fish move down, you know, lower in the water column once the sun comes up. I think a lot of people write those lower marks off as uh, as lake trout. But I find that if you drop your lowest downrigger down to those marks with, uh, you know, a meat rig or a paddle and a fly, you'll pick up some midday kings. And, you know, picking up the, some kings midday when the bite's tough, that, that can make or break a trip for sure. All right. Uh, let's go back to that boat a little bit. Uh there's a lot of people right now, Jared, that are there. They've been fishing inland lakes. They see what's going on. They see these salmon. They want to go try it. Uh, so if you got somebody that's got a boat that they've been fishing inland waters with, that could be similar to what you're fishing with. What's your your best advice to these aspiring Great Lakes anglers? Um, I mean, obviously, first things first, you got to make sure that you're safe. So just keeping an eye on on the weather reports, um, you know, making sure that you have a good source for that. But you know, any boat can make it out there if you, if you find the right day. Um, but after that, I mean, it's just, you know, knowledge is power. Um, just making sure that you're doing your research before you go out. Um, you know, just increasing your network. Talk to some guys that have been out there and done it before. Um, you know, most people are willing to share information. And, you know, the, the, mo the more you know before you go out there, the better trip you're going to have. I, I mean, don't go out there and just do it willy-nilly. Fish, you know, salmon are tough to catch. So, if you go out there and you don't catch any fish, you're going to be discouraged. So make sure you do it right the first time. Um, you know, first, like I said, first thing, make, make sure that you're safe. But, 
you know, just try to do as much research as you can. And, and, you know, there's a lot of resources online with YouTube and social media, but I think the best way is to call, you know, local bait shops or call some people, you know, that have been out there and done it before and, you know, get, take a little bit of advice from everybody. All right. Uh, we talked to, you talked a little bit about safety, but what are some things that you'd say, like, this is really important equipment that you should get. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to try to make this a softball trying to go <laughs> after fish hawk, but like there right. are a lot of people who say, hey, do I need downriggers? You know, what yeah. type of electronics are important? What type of rods? Like, what would you say are kind of the, the big, the big things that they should be looking at uh, if they're yeah. going to try to set their boat up to go do this? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, if you want to start from the top, I mean, if you want to go all in downriggers and, you know, a fish hawk is important. Uh, it's going to uncover some stuff that you'll never be able to see without it as far as water temperature speeds, things of that nature. But uh, just to start, I, I mean, there's so many options out there. Uh, I mean, fishermen are, are smart people and, you know, they've come up with everything. So uh, with the weighted lines, I mean, you have so many options between copper, uh, lead cores, weighted steel. Um, with dipsy divers, they have slide divers, you know, mag divers. You could you could really cover the whole water column with just uh, weighted lines and uh, and dipsy divers. So I would think starting out uh, with uh, if you don't want to get too far with the money investment, you got to have some dipsy divers and some weighted lines. Um, you know, those definitely produce fish all day. So I, I think anybody could go out there and protect and have a productive day with a couple dipsy divers and some weighted lines, whatever you prefer, whether it's uh, weighted steel or lead cores. All right, that brings us to this question from Scott on Facebook. Any particular lengths of the weighted steel you find to be more productive than others? Uh, it depends on the day. Um, I like to run my weighted steels as my as my longer as my longer lead. So, uh, you know, I have like two hundred through four hundred. Uh, this year, with with all the northeast winds that we had in the spring, the fish were really deep. So, um, my three fifty, my two fifty through three fifty were just on fire. Uh, but you know, who knows if it, I, I don't know what the fall is going to bring, but sometimes the fish are higher in the water column. So those could be dead, but, but I will say, uh, full confidence this spring that 250 through 350, I, I just couldn't even keep them in the water half the time. All right. Uh, here's one from, uh, we'll go with Trevor McNeil and Trevor would like to know what influenced your decision to get into the fishing charter business as a profession more than just a hobby. I'm assuming that Trevor knows you because I'm I'm seeing some other questions pop up that, that make it sound like you guys are you guys are buddies. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, Trevor is a, a good friend. We actually have a trip book coming up here. So um but as far as getting into the business, uh you know, I I don't have any well, I didn't have any real close friends that were in the business. So you know it was never really thought in my head. I I just worked sales my whole life coming out of college. And then, uh, you know, the, the company that I was working for let me go. Um, so I had a decision whether to get back into sales and try to sell stuff that I didn't really care about or, you know, chase something that I was truly passionate about. So I, uh, I got a job with the tackle company and used that opportunity to uh, buy all new gear. And then I uh, took out my 401k and started my business. So, you know, the good thing is I get to do what I love now. Uh, the bad thing is I'm going to be doing it till I'm 90 years old because I don't have a retirement fund anymore. But yeah, that was my, that's what spurred it. All right. So I think that, that actually brings up a, a good question. I think what is, uh, what's the most difficult part of being a charter captain? What's, what's kind of the, the stressors of the job? Um, if you ask me, it's cleaning fish. I'm kind of self-conscious about cleaning fish. So if my mate's not there with me, that's number one for me, but, but more seriously, um, 
I, I mean, I really, I really take pride in my job and, and I really just want to make sure that the, you know, the customers that I have on my boat get the full experience that they're looking for. So, you know, the days that fishing's tough are, you know, the, the night before, if, if fishing was tough, I, I'll lose sleep over it. Just thinking, you know, trying to make sure that I, I make the, the uh, experience memorable for them. So, um, you know, I, I try to do my best with a trailerable, trailerable boat to, you know, follow the fish and make sure I'm on some good fish. But I think the number one thing is when fishing is tough is, you know, it kind of kind of hurts my heart to, to let the customers down. So that's that's the number one problem I've found. Well, that leads us into uh, another uh, question. We're getting a ton of questions tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to know uh, if I were to book a charter with you and I wanted to change the type of fish that we go for midway through the trip, would you be able to do that? Also, and I'm going to read this because I know I've seen your website. Also, what what happens if we have a bad day and we don't catch any fish? On the <laughs> I mean, like I said, it, it's it, I put custom in the name because you know it's I'm willing to do anything. Uh, you know, I do I do run combo trips as far as uh, walleye and muskie. Um, you know, there's people who were out salmon fishing want to you know get a couple lake trout while we're out there. So if you want to switch it up, absolutely. Um, I'll let you. You know, I'll give my input if you, if I think it might not be a good call. I'll let you know, but it's your trip. If you come out with me, we're we're doing whatever you whatever you want to do, and uh, and you saw my website, so you know if if there's a rough day, I I, I offer the no fish no pay guarantee. So you know I I honestly don't have it in me to uh, to charge somebody some money if we go out there. If you hire me to catch fish and I don't catch any fish, there's you know there's no chance I'll be taking your money. So so that is a that is a benefit to booking with me for sure. All right, uh, here's one from Tom Andrus, and Tom wants to know what what type of meat do you use for your meat rigs? Um, it depends what's available. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys like to brine their stuff. Uh, I'm a little bit too lazy to do that, so I, I do a Dreamweaver or Stinger. Um, you know, it's worked for me, uh, you know, every season. So, you know, I, I stick with that, and until it stops working for me, that's what I'm that's what I'm going to stick with. All right, Chuck Jacobs on Facebook. What colors and bait do you find work the best when you're chasing silver? Uh, that's again, it it depends on you know the bite. Uh, salmon change every day. Uh, you just got to really pay attention to what's going for you. Um, you know, I do. There are some rule of thumbs. You know, people like to run more blues in the spring and greens. You know, midsummer, but. You know, I don't really, I don't really follow that. I like to keep a spread of everything, and then once you know a fish goes on a certain color, I try to you know key in on that color. I will say that I like to run my brighter colors like sartreuses and oranges higher in the water column, top 20 feet. From like uh, 20 to 50 feet, I like to run blues and greens, and then anything lower than that, I'm usually going darker colors, uh, purples and blacks. All right, it's uh, it's July 1st as we record this, and I'm going to let you go fishing on Lake Michigan. The destination is the port of your choice, but you can only put four lines in the water. What's going to be on those lines and how are you going to set them up? All right. That's a good one. Um, I'm going out of the port of Manistee because, you know, I, like I said, that's kind of kind of my home port uh, once the season wraps up. Um, my, my number one lure of the last three years has been a 10-inch Dreamweaver paddle with a muscle head meat rig on my lowest downrigger. Uh, I don't think that's come off my downrigger pole for, you know, the last two years on a SWR rig. Uh, I got to run a blue dolphin um, uh, on my low diver. And then I'm going to run a high diver with uh, 
uh, Pink Dots Dreamweaver 8-inch paddle and a Jayco's Wild Thing Fly on the uh, on my high diver. And then I'm going to throw a lead core out there with the orange crust and try to get a steelhead too. All right, very good. That sounds like a good time. Absolutely, always is. Anytime you're out there salmon fishing is a good time. All right, now Michael wants to know, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start their own charter business? Um, I would say definitely just uh, just make sure that you're you're passionate about it. Um, you know, don't don't do it if it's something that you're just trying to do just to get a little bit of extra money because it's definitely not the easiest thing in the world to do. But if you're really passionate about it, you know, it is easy. Um, uh, you know, I would and I would definitely say do your research. Uh, make sure that you're confident and putting fish in the boat because that's gonna you know help you succeed. And, uh, you know, make sure that you are, are, are aware of all the uh, financial challenges that come with it. Um, you know, it's it's not a, a easy thing to jump into mentally or financially. But if you have a true passion for it and you're confident in your ability to put fish in the boat, it's uh, it's a great time. And if and if that's the case for you, I suggest you do it now. All right. What, what's the most rewarding part of being a charter captain for you? What's the, what's your favorite part? The thing that you live for and, and gets you up out of bed in the morning? Uh, that's easy. It's just, you know, seeing the people's reaction, uh, especially salmon fishing, uh, you know, for people I've never done it before are people, who've, you know, fish their whole life and never hooked into a salmon, you know, seeing the reaction when, when, you know, if a king hits and they just peel off 300, 400 feet of line, it's, you know, it's like nothing you'll ever experience. Um, you know, I've done it my whole life. So to me, you know, it's more rewarding to see other people experience it. Um, you know, when that fish hits the deck and everybody's jaws hit the floor, uh, I mean, it, it honestly just, it keeps me going. That's, that's the best thing is just seeing the reaction and just being able to share the experience with other people who've never experienced something like that before. All right, here's one from YouTube. I think this is the first question we've got from YouTube tonight. This is from uh, Gilbert Singleton. He says, uh, do you plan to ever leave freshwater and go to saltwater? Um, for business purposes, as, as far as running charters, no. Um, I love fishing saltwater. Uh, I've, I've done it, you know, since I was little. Uh, we make trips down to Florida, and it's one of my favorite things to do. You'll never know what you hook into out there, and, and the fight of those fish is just unreal. Um, but you know, I, I charter on the Great Lakes because I'm confident that I could catch fish here. I, I've done it my whole life. Um, you know, it's it's almost second nature at this point. I'm I'm constantly learning. But if you put me on the ocean right now and try to catch some fish, I will be lost. So so no, I don't plan on moving to saltwater. All right. One of the other things I saw on your website, Jared, is that you do uh, some kids fishing trips. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about those. Um, like, like I touched on, uh, earlier with, uh, with Eric's question, um, you know, luckily I, I live near Lake St. Clair and it's a world-class fishery for, for walleye, uh, bass and muskie. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to just go out there and, you know, pull some baits around and, you know, it's it, catching fish is, is not a, not a problem. So, you know, kids typically don't have the, the same attention span as a diehard fisherman. So, you know, we go out there for, for three hour trips is what I run. And, you know, we catch everything from perch to smallmouth bass to pike, walleye, muskie. And, you know, it's, it's a great experience for someone who's just getting into fishing. Uh, I mean, it's, it's honestly just a world-class fishery. I'm blessed to be able to fish it. And, uh, you know, and honestly sharing it with the kids, it's, it's, that's what gets kids hooked is having a good day going out there catching different fish. So, so, that, yeah, if anybody has any kids that think they're in the fishing and you want to take them out on a trip, just give me a call. It's a great time. 
we've been talking uh, a, a lot of king fishing, and I think that's something that that most people are interested in. And, and but uh, let's talk lake trout for a little bit. What's the lake trout like uh, in the areas that you're fishing? Uh, lake trout, they are thriving. That's for sure. Um, I typically don't target lake trout that much unless you know a customer requests it. Uh, but I mean, I still catch lake trout without even trying. Um, you know, I mean, if you just run a simple salmon spread, you're going to catch four or five lake trout guaranteed. And, and, you know, the times that I do, uh, target lake trout, I mean, filling up the box with lake trout is it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but I mean, the, the lake trout are just, it's so crazy how, how great of a fishery we have for, for you to be able to go out there and catch some kings and then, you know, fill up the box with lake trout. It's, it's an awesome option to have there. Um, again, I, I prefer the kings just based off of the fight. But, you know, the, the lake trout fishery has been good for years, and I don't see it slowing down at all. Well, you mentioned the fight, and you mentioned steelhead a little bit earlier. How about uh, how about the steelhead in your neck of the woods? Uh, yeah, steelhead are one of my favorite fish to catch. I actually, uh, you know, a lot of my uh, younger years were spent going to uh, Erie in Lake Erie. Uh, my dad and I knew a charter captain over there, so I, I kind of grew up fishing for steelhead, and and the acrobatics of those fish and just, you know, how crazy they are when they fight. It's, it's, it's all close to fighting a salmon as far as the excitement that you get. So, um, luckily this year with the, uh, with the winds that we had and fishing offshore a little bit more for the salmon, we cooked into a bunch of steelhead and just the, like I said, you'll get, those things will jump 10 times out of the water before you could even get the rod out of the rod holder. Uh, I think they're right up there with, as far as, uh, fighting a salmon. I love catching steelhead. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Uh, Eric Allen Lenses, come on, steelhead, awesome fish. Jared, is there something that I didn't ask you about tonight that you really wanted to talk about tonight? Uh, no, we, we covered a lot. Um, I mean, my, my contact information is available online. If anybody has any questions, I love talking fishing. It doesn't matter if you're booking a trip or not. Just, you know, give me a shout. I'll talk fishing with you all day and all night. Um, you know, I just want to thank you guys for having me on here. Shout out your products. Everybody already knows that uh, fish hawks is something that you need if you're fishing the Great Lakes, but your guys' customer service is uh, out of this world, too. I remember when I first got my my fish hawk, I, uh, I put the batteries in and put the battery pack in backwards, so I shorted out the cord. And I didn't know it at the time, but I, I sent it in to you guys, and you guys sent it back in two days, I think. And you had the most politely written note to tell me how stupid I was for putting in the battery pack backwards. I was thoroughly impressed. <laughs> I think that's what we do in Minnesota. We're, we're very, yeah. very politely rude at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No, but honestly, I was super impressed with how you guys took care of it. No problem, even though it was a user error. And I mean, it might have been two days it was out of commission. So, no, again, just thank you guys for having me on here. Yeah, I just uh, shout out to uh, the guys, the guys and gals who do our customer service. It is a uh, it's a good company to work for because I know that uh, whatever we talk about is uh, always stood behind very well, and, and they do an awesome job uh, with helping Absolutely. people and getting everything working for them. So, uh, got to give those guys uh, their their uh, props tonight. Also, if you're on Instagram, Jared's an awesome Instagram follow. You can follow him at. The real R E E L J Bake, right? J Bake Fish. That's right. right. Now we're the real J Bake. You got real it. Real J Bake. Yep. Uh, a lot of a lot of awesome stuff on there. Jared Baker, thanks so much for coming on Fish Hawk Live tonight. Really appreciate Thank everybody coming on. Uh, let's pick out a. I liked an early one we had. Uh, let's pick out a question here. Uh, we're going to go with Carly McNeil. 
and I know that's I think it's somebody that you know, but I like the question. It was how custom is a custom charter? So, uh, Carly, uh, give us a, a message with your information on it, and we'll get something out to you. So, Jared Baker, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks to everybody for watching, and thanks to everyone on the podcast platform for listening. You can catch us on SoundCloud. You can catch us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, you name it. So, uh, everybody have a great night, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.